Hello and welcome to Yamaha Music's podcast, Artist Insights. My name is Phoebe Ely, and I'm going to be taking you behind the scenes to give you an exclusive insight into the lives and journeys of some of Yamaha's leading artists. On today's episode, I have got an exceptional young talent joining me in the form of digital influencer and all-round trumpet extraordinaire Louis Dowdswell, with over 15 million views online for his critically acclaimed big band and having performed and recorded with the likes of Michael Bublé, Robbie Williams, Seal, Zach Brown and Alfie Bow, to name but a few, it's easy to see how this extremely versatile young player's career is leaping from strength to strength and all at the age of 26. Louis, what an enormous amount of success you fit into such a short space of time. It's wonderful to have the time to sit down and chat with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me, Phoebe and Yamaha. Uh, Very excited about this. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're so welcome. We're very excited to have you here. So I'd like to start by taking you back to where it all started. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how and when you first fell in love with music and what your earliest memory of live performance is. Ah, that's a nice place to start. So, um, where do we go with this? My mother is a, a music teacher, and uh, she got all of us starting playing when we were about four on the piano. So, uh, like a lot of people, start on the piano just to kind of get things going. I then moved on to the drums uh, when I was about five years old, and then the trumpet when I was about seven or eight. Uh, my mum runs a big band and uh, she started running that in 1997 over in uh, Bristol um, called the Veronica Big Band. And uh, we used to get to go and see the band uh, play uh, most Wednesdays, I think it was, um, probably pretty young at the time to be doing that. But uh, we would sit there and watch her band rehearse and occasionally there would be gigs. So it was a really great experience for for all of us to hear music, uh, live music, and uh, being played by such great players. And um, yeah, that's kind of where where it all started for me. Um, I picked the trumpet up and ended up moving to a boarding school, a music school, and uh, and then I guess the conversation gets a bit more co- complicated at that point, but the uh, that's basically the, the beginning. For, I guess the first time I performed anywhere could have been maybe like a local competition or something like that um uh probably coming second or third place somewhere you know who knows (laughs) (laughs) i don't believe that for a second do not believe that that's really interesting and i'm wondering you said it got a bit more complicated when you moved to music school and you went on to study at some of the most prestigious music schools in the uk and you've had some really incredible mentors along the way one of which being the legendary Wayne Bergeron, who also happens to be a fellow Yamaha artist. How did you find that time learning with Wayne and what was the best piece of advice that he gave to you? Well, that's a nice question. Uh, music school's a really interesting place because you have uh, tons of uh, practice sessions put into your day. So you're basically asked or told to play for maybe three or four hours at a time. And it was a really great experience for me to get to get that time when I was a kid um, allocated to just that. And it, it really helped bring things on. But with Wayne, um, I guess maybe I was at, I think I was at the Purcell School at the time in Watford. Um, and I contacted Wayne about a little neck hernia problem I had. Um, and uh, he got straight back to me. He was lovely. We met in 2012. Then uh, later on that year, I flew over to LA to stay with him and his lovely wife, Barb. And uh, I got an opportunity to see the scene over there and... Um, learn a little bit about 
you know what it means to be a an LA trumpet player, which is a pretty cool thing to see and live for a week or so. And uh, yeah, with Wayne, it's because I idolized him so much as a player. It's one of those things he 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 took me under his wing, but it's a very fluid learning experience with someone who's mentoring you like that. Um, it's not like you go and see them every week and they kind of slowly sort of build you up it it yeah. it's it's like small things here and there when you're sat there having i don't know tacos or or <laughs> or doing some eating some mexican or italian i don't know whatever we were doing but it's just those <laughs> sorts of occasions where you sat when you're living the life with him for a week and you're learning along the way and it's just just bits and pieces here and there that you pick up and suggestions that make you a better player without even having the horn in your hands you know and also about how to behave as a professional all these things that are super important to learn um i kind of got a bit of a a head start with that from being around people like wayne and there are plenty of people here as well that i could say the same thing about so it's pretty cool yeah definitely oh he sounds like such an inspiring person to learn from and you mentioned that you had a small neck hernia problem how did that affect your playing at the point you were at and how did you overcome that so I think it's something, it's called something like bilateral laryngocele or something. I can't even remember what the phrase is, but I went to a neck specialist um, eventually and they said, you know, we can put a mesh in your throat um, to stop it from expanding. Uh, but uh, you said it will probably just open up again. It's basically a weakness in my anatomy. A lot of people have it. I think. Um, I've seen it a lot in saxophone players and particularly oboists where yeah. a lot of pressure is going through a very small area and it's sort of opening it, it the back pressure is sort of opening up your throat so uh, it, it it isn't a problem until it's a problem so best thing yeah. to do is just to keep an eye on it keep your head down when you play to try and help support that area of weakness and then um hopefully you won't ever have any problems with it. I know Wayne has one and, and he was having a few issues, but again, it it's just about being sensible and relaxing and, and um, giving it time to heal if it ever gets too bad. Yeah. So it's, it's not a, it's not a game. It's not a deal breaker or a game no. changer. It's just, it's just something to be aware of. And, uh, but when you're a kid and you're aspiring to be a player, it's, it's important to have someone, you know, keeping an eye on that for you um, because you don't really know what's to come. And Wayne has managed to deal with it for a long time. So um, I thought I would just sort of follow in his footsteps. What a mentor to have. And he certainly started you in good stead because you've gone on to perform with the likes of Al Giroux, Michael Bublé, Gordon Goodwin's Big Fat Band, Michael Ball. The list just goes on, Louis. And I'm wondering, (laughs) how do you mentally keep your cool for these kinds of performances? You know, as a young 26-year-old who's at times surrounded by colleagues who are much older, with decades of experience and expertise, what's your process mentally for coping with the pressure that comes with high-level playing? Um, it's all in the preparation. Um, I know everyone says that, but it is. Yeah, uh, it's it's in the preparation, and you also have to be when you're at this level, uh, as in when you're dealing with the with with these levels of gigs. You you shouldn't be there if it's not a situation where, um, you need to be able to do anything that's put in front of you because you get found out pretty quick. So it's very important that you are aware of what you're about to do you've prepared for it and uh, and when you get there you just do your absolute best 
you stay humble because if you are having an off day and everyone has them you need people on your side you don't want people sort of against you with that so it it's a case that uh, you need to give support to your fellow musicians but they'll also need to support you and uh, and yeah I, I don't know the, the nerves thing is a funny one I, I find being at the back of a band pretty unnerve-wracking um uh because i'm surrounded by people and they're all friends and colleagues and it's great and it's always fun uh but going out the front uh doing something that's maybe slightly out the comfort zone that can be a little bit more uncomfortable but as i say it's all in the preparation if you're not prepared then it, then you're always going to have issues with that so yeah um I'm, I'm i'm pretty lucky to work with some uh, some pretty great players and there and yeah, you're right a lot of them are older but also there are a lot of great young players that are coming through um and they you know they keep everyone on their toes so that's also something else to be concerned about <laughs> <laughs> i love that and i'm wondering when you do move forwards to the front and you have a solo you have that time what goes through your mind what what feelings do you get when you make that first note uh, I try and think of as little as possible. Um, <laughs> I try and just, sometimes it's nice to close your eyes. Sometimes it's nice to open your eyes. Sometimes you want to be a bit more bravado about everything. That kind of helps. But realistically, it's, uh, you, it's, a, it's, it's a moment that you don't get to do all that much in your life. And you should enjoy it when you get to do it. And when you do get to do it, you should go out and just play play your socks off because that's what people are hoping hoping for you to do. And you've just got to go for it because uh, the spotlight's on you. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> It's very true. It's not going anywhere, is it? No. Oh, amazing. I love that. And I'm wondering now, you've performed at so many incredible venues with a long list of established artists and productions. If you could go back in time to relive just one of them again, Back to the Future style, what would it be and why? Mm. Uh, there'd probably be uh, actually yeah I think it's probably the gig uh, I did with Al Jarreau at Ronnie Scott's in 2014 I think it was February we were celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Jarreau album I think Tom Walsh put the put the gig together and managed to contact Al's management and uh, and the gig sort of happened uh we didn't think it was going to come off, but it did. And it was basically a bunch of British musicians and Al and his MD, uh, Larry Williams. And uh, we recreated this album note for note. And we think we did it six times over three days. And it was just amazing. It's some of my favorite music ever. And to be able to play it with Al was amazing. I'll never get a chance to do that again now, unfortunately, because Al passed away a few, a few years after that. But um, it was uh, it was pretty amazing uh, experience i was pretty young at the time as well so i was i remember being quite nervous about that but uh yeah. again the camaraderie amongst the guys all came together and everyone had a fantastic time it was a brilliant gig definitely oh i love that what a memory to have as well such a fantastic artist um so you're at such an established point in your career louis and i'm wondering what's been the biggest obstacle that you faced to get to the point that you're at today oh that's a really interesting question um let's have a think about this give a good answer um <laughs> the biggest obstacle is with regards to the i guess regarding the trumpet more than anything else um 
it's a it's a hard in, it's it's a really hard instrument to be consistent on because the variables involved in playing a trumpet uh, can change so dramatically from day to day, and they're so very difficult to explain um, because everyone is different and everyone has a different anatomy. So I guess you could kind of say it's similar to singing uh, because again it's very difficult to actually see a lot of what's going on um when you're trying to explain something to someone so i'm probably not the only one uh, who feels this way about this question but um trumpet playing specifically it's just the consistency so um we we all strive to be as consistent as we can but things happen in your life and things happen to make things more difficult than they would usually be or more difficult than when you're in your bedroom doing it when it's comfortable and you're just there on your own and some of these variables can be things like chapped lips or dehydration um, or illness or lack of preparation there, there are loads and loads of things or you've bruised your face and the, all these things you've got to overcome to be playing to your absolute best and for me <laughs> It's it's not one particular obstacle, but it's just that thing about the trumpet that you may not get quite the same way with something like the piano, where the, the number of variables are far smaller as to what can go wrong. Um, and um, if there is a problem with the piano that you're playing, I guess it's kind of out of your control because uh, you aren't the one maintaining and preparing it, unlike the trumpet. So it's very important uh, for us to keep our instruments in check, for us to keep our chops in check. And it... it the worst times at work tend to be when you haven't done one of those two things and it's very important so that's probably trumpet playing relatedly the the thing that gets in the way the most yeah understandably i i can really relate to that as a singer myself and how do you cope you say you know if one of those variables, if you've not quite looked after one of those in the lead up to a performance, there is so much dedication that it takes to become a pro player like you are. How do you cope with that dedication on a day to day basis? Does it stop you doing anything in your life? Um, it probably should, but I don't let it get to me too much. Um, <laughs> the, the thing I found is uh if you if you are preparing specifically for what you have coming in the next few days um you can minimize the potential problems the variables create um by doing some very disciplined practice um but sometimes it's just against you and when it is against you um you also need to be smart about how you uh deal with it at work so um Here's an example. If you are booked on first trumpet for something and things just aren't feeling great because, well, one of these variables, it could be lots of reasons. Um, mm. But if it's just one of those days, one of the best things you can do and one of the most mature things you can do is to look around you with maybe another three other trumpet players there mm. and think about what the most efficient way of getting through the gig is um, by being smart and using everyone's skill sets to your advantage um, because being a lead trumpet player isn't only being able to play lead trumpet or play high it's also about managing a group of people um, not usually a huge amount of work with regards to that but it is 
it is your job probably on the authoritarian scale or the dictatorship of the big band it's it's very important that you keep your section happy by giving them enough to do but also you can ask them to help you out when it's necessary and that's definitely a tool that has been used uh, by me but also i have been used by other lead trumpet players to 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 take some of the edge off what could maybe be a gig that is going to push them to a, a place where they don't want to be uh particularly sometimes you know they may have something the next day that they don't want to be too uh chop stressed for um so you know everyone sharing the load can can really help so through smart management and through you know um uh preparation you you can kind of get by anything there's never been a disaster put it that way um, yeah, yeah yeah i feel that it's really interesting insight thank you louis and okay I'm just wondering, we're all manoeuvring now into a new world and industry. What does that new world look like to you, Louis? And where do you see yourself perhaps five years from now? Oh, um, a question I wish I didn't have to answer. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually probably in the minority of people um, foreseeing this situation as one where uh it's an opportunity to skill up in other areas because you don't have a choice and uh i'm also one of these people that uh uh is able to look at the scenario and think rationally that there's not a huge amount we can do about it at the moment um we're just going to have to hold tight and I also think that it's very important that the industry adapts, not to COVID necessarily, but I, I think that it adapts to uh, how people are consuming music um, because people are consuming music in a very different way to how they were before. People value music in a very different way to how they did before as well. They value it less um, because of how much there is available to them. Um, but there's still potential opportunities uh, in our society um, to to get benefit from that. And and rather than uh, sit back and complain about the way the industry is going because we don't like it, because most of us don't, um, it's actually very important that we take a, a positive step, I think, and start thinking about more innovative ways that, in which we can uh, both make money but also keep creating art that we want to uh, and making sure that... Um, people out there are still enjoying it you know it's all in definitely it's all in the way that the content is consumed and i think it's very important yeah that we're, that we're aware of that definitely and this leads me nicely into my next question because you're not only a master of the trumpet you're also a hugely successful music producer and content creator and you've amassed over 15 million views on your youtube channel alone can you tell us how this unfolded and what impact that's had on your career as a pro player yeah, it's quite an interesting story, really. I mean, I'm I'm very much uh, one of these guys that enjoys YouTube anyway. Uh, think uh, live streamers, gamers, and things like that. Like I understand that world, and you know, um, to be able to play trumpet and feel at least as a part of that world. Um, is quite a cool thing to be able to do. Um, I mean, uh, I have a few subscribers, but nothing like what a lot of these gamers have. And maybe one day I'll 
I'll invest a bit more sort of energy into into that and 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 really start pumping the content out. But just from this relatively small amount of content I have created in comparison, as I say, to some of these other content creators, um, it really seems to have hit a spot, which is which is very cool. Um, there was not really any plan uh, for this. Um, I was working with uh, my best man, Callum Al. Uh, we weren't good mates at the time, but we are now, of course. Uh, Callum is a great trombone player, um, a Yamaha affiliate as well, and is um, is is a fantastic arranger uh, and quick and a very smart guy. He's kind of got it all. And <laughs> One of those. We, yeah, and we... Uh, <laughs> We we were on a gig, I think, up in Bury St. Edmunds and uh, we were in the green room and I was kind of talking to him about this funny Disney song called Let It Go and how there was a French horn player on YouTube who had got loads of views, uh, who had done a version of it. And I said, oh, we can do, you know, it's a good video, but we can do we can do something, you know, with the big band. Why don't we try something out? So Callum wrote it. It took us about six months to put the whole thing together. It took ages. Uh, but we we got the whole thing recorded with some really great players um and filmed the whole thing and i spent ages mixing it and putting it all together and really the first production i'd done and it was purely just for a laugh you know thought we'd do it for fun nothing special that we thought would come out of it and it it got it it was very very well received and this is at a period of time where you know not not a lot of people were doing these sorts of videos uh, I think since COVID, a lot more people have jumped on the bandwagon, but I'm glad they have because the more people that do it, the more innovation comes, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, uh, after the, the success of the first video, we decided we'd do more. We hadn't decided to do more before that. And uh, and we just started releasing them as effectively and efficiently as we could. But as I say, a lot of time has to go into these. And there's quite a lot of demand on my channel for, for more content and quicker. But it's very important to me to continue uh keeping the standard and quality high um because you know we could release stuff faster but i don't think it would necessarily be to the standard that um i'm certainly not happy with but i also think the fans maybe would uh would ra would rather see something that was that was taken with a little bit more care so it's all a trade off between time and and uh and content and yeah. trying to figure out the best way of doing it uh, it's what I've got myself into here is not a particularly efficient way of making YouTube videos because it relies on sort of 20 other people being involved and asking them yeah. to give up their time of which they have done uh, very, very um, generously. Uh, but I think it's also a project that people are in, in up for being involved in and I, hopefully I can keep it fun and interesting and entertaining for them just as much as I can for the, for the people that are consuming the content. So that's uh it's quite important for me uh, and also shout out to all the guys that have been in the videos because uh i wouldn't have been able to do any of it without you guys oh that's so lovely and oh my gosh it is content worthy of watching i can say for myself i have <laughs> been really 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 uh gobsmacked by what you produce so i'm <laughs> waiting you. for more i'm really excited Lily, thank you so much for joining us on artist insights today it's been so lovely to speak with you but we have come to our final question now okay. which is what piece of advice would you give to an 18 year old louis mm, yeah uh, when i was growing up uh i was classically trained and i um was quite regularly 
told to you know uh, be cautious of what i what i could be doing to my body um exerting all this energy and pressure on it and part of me uh well i did rebel against that evidently um and i kept pushing myself and pushing myself to play harder and harder um but what i would say to an 18 year old louis or any 18 year old is just hold that concept that you have in your head um use that musical concept and keep that as your end goal and you need it's very important that you have an end game i'm really glad i did um but there were other there are other elements to my playing that um maybe took a back foot because i was aiming too hard towards my goals it's all about um having that concept musically and it's all about aiming for that as a goal and being really really very analytical about and detailed about your analysis of your own playing and that is the fastest way to get good at anything is always being detailed detail 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 and being very very hard on yourself about that so i'm i would that would be the advice i give to someone else but the the, <laughs> the question you asked wasn't that it was what would i give <laughs> the advice to myself the advice to myself would be um you should use your four years of music college time to practice more and stay out of the pub less sorry stay in the pub less <laughs> um because you won't get this time back again and uh and that is another thing i would definitely say to uh, any aspiring young trumpet player is that the time that you have at that age you will never get back and um and it, it's definitely something that um i wish i had taken more advantage of but then again uh you know i got my drinking chops together so anyway <laughs> <laughs> that is golden advice thank you so much louis Thanks you've so been much. amazing thank you for joining me on thank artist you. insights thanks so much for having me if you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more about yamaha and our artists please do tell your friends about the show and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review we'll see you next time for another episode of artist insights with yamaha